Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, everybody. Ethan here. It's Mike here. And welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues. It's episode number 32. Oh, baby. It's Chris Porter's episode. Really looking back here, there's not a whole heck of a lot of number 32s, or at least long tenure 32s. But boy, I am super, super happy to be able to say that 32 is the Chris Porter episode. You know, looking back here at him, not statistically the guy that you would say that we're going to devote an episode here to, but that's really okay because he is a player who played six seasons here for St. Louis, 173 games, only 27 points, only 27 points. He averaged 10 and a half minutes here per game, but he was your prototypical fourth line player that you absolutely needed game in game out. Yeah. He was he was a plug and play here type of guy, but that's okay. You know, he was sometimes scratched. He was sometimes iced. He was something. You know, whatever whatever that the Blues needed him to be able to do, he did. And boy, that's that's the type of player here that you need. Just this ready to go, grind it out type of player. Again, nothing flashy, but man, he was he was something else here. I mean, he was drafted in the ninth round back when you know there was more than the seven rounds here, like in the NHL. But um, again, nothing overly flashy, but. Chris Porter here is our guy. Yeah, I mean, he played 173 games. He's got that going for him, for the Blues mm-hmm. at least. Uh, kind of weird that he never played more than 50 games, and then he played 61 with the Wild in his last season. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Um, and pretty much matched his production from a season where he played 47. So, right. yeah, I mean, not the most notable player that we're going to have on the list, but he's on the list. And uh, I was going to say, yeah, it takes us back – to the days of nine rounds in mm-hmm. the NHL draft. And uh, I would say, thankfully, that's no longer a thing. Because oh, uh, could you imagine the broadcast right now if it was nine rounds? It already takes way they, too long. Yes. Yep. So Chris Porter's our guy. Yeah. And uh, we'll move along here before we get into it. I'd like to thank the listeners. Remind you to hit that subscribe button. Don't miss a single episode. Give us a review for love what we're doing. Get involved with the conversation over on Twitter at TBN Pod. Be sure to follow us on our personal accounts. Mine is at Ethan Carter SW. Mike's is at M underscore Meyer three. All right, let's do it. Let's go around the central to start. Uh, nothing real notable with Arizona, even though they did. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this in the last podcast. They did beat Toronto in Toronto, which is one of those yes. things that always happens. Holy cow. Yeah, I think they have a, a point in every trip to Toronto for like twenty years or something, fifteen years. They've they've played well there, so very one oh, of those man. weird things that uh, that happens, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's Blackhawks now. Yeah, it's something definitely interesting to see, especially with a team here like like Arizona. I I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to be able to just keep cutting them down here like every single episode, but oh boy. Oh boy. Um, if you don't mind, let's uh let's actually start off. Um, I want to be able to start off here actually with a fairly serious topic. Uh here, like with Nashville. Okay. You know, if everybody here, you know, if you missed it, um, defenseman Mark Borowicki, he was actually released from the hospital here Saturday night after he was stretchered off of the ice 
in the second period against the Philadelphia Flyers. So um, I was super, super happy about the seed that he's resting at home here as of today. No major injuries. He's still going to undergo further testing and observations just to determine, you know, a timeline here for his return. Again, for those who didn't see it, his head made serious contact here with the boards against a hit here from the Flyers forward Morgan Frost. There's no penalty here on the play. He was conscious. He had movement here to all the ex- extremities um, here, at least what the Predators are saying here as of Saturday. He was transported here to the uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Truly, our hearts and prayers go out to Borwicky, his family, just throughout this difficult time. I mean, it was a scary, scary scene to be able to just watch. Um, I didn't get to be able to see it live, but just even just watching the replay, I mean, it just gives me chills just thinking about any single player needing to be stretchered off the ice. So um, my my true heart's prayers, absolutely everything here goes out to Barwicky here and his family. No doubt. No doubt. Well said. I mean, it's one of those serious things that you hate to see mm-hmm. uh, on the ice. And uh, I think it's great that it doesn't seem to be, you know, all that bad compared to what it looked like. So that is really yeah. uh, good news overall. Yeah. Um, let's say space here really fast with uh, Chicago. So Tyler Johnson says the locker room actually is a lot more fun this year. So after dropping their first two games to open up the season, the Hawks have ripped off three straight wins and they have done so by overcoming multi-goal deficits in each contest, which pretty impressive. Not going to lie. One of the most notable reasons here for their mini winning streak, the Blackhawks have actually killed off 14 of their last 15 penalty kills, which if you look at their team, actually doesn't really surprise me. And they, they have a team of actually pretty good penalty killers. Um, 14 of 15, though, that is really something impressive. And even more as impressive is that they have scored four shorthanded goals. And, of course, their goaltending here has better than been better than expected. But they better hope that they're going to be getting some good goaltending because Peter Morazic is now on the IR with a groin injury. Leave them Alex Stalock. Well, oh boy. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I would say my takeaway from the Blackhawks start to the season that they are bad at tanking would be my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> doesn't look like I don't think they're going to be bad enough to get Bedard unless the league rigs it. I know it's early, but I think that's a good thing. I think if you're a Blues fan, you'd rather they just be like bad, like seventh worst in the league, somewhere around there. Yeah. You know, w- this draft is you know, pretty deep overall, but mm-hmm. I do not want to see Bedard in Chicago. And I think that this start for them is a good sign that that probably won't happen, but you never know. Uh, but yeah, this is still not a good team. I think, you know, the locker room being more fun. I don't really think that that's something that Blackhawks fans are going to be like, Oh, they're going to make the playoffs. Now. I just don't think that that's something that's going to happen, but uh, no, yeah, I mean, classic case of, you know, thinking a team is going to be absolutely terrible and they end up being okay or still bad, but not as bad as you thought. I think Philadelphia is probably going to be a team that does that this year. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think Staylock now being their guy, and I don't know who else they have in the organization with uh, Lincoln and Gone. They may go with like Drew Camisso. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to go with him here just as of yet, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. I don't see them doing anything here like this it's it's good i mean you can't tell professional athletes we're gonna tank unless you physically rig the lineup which 
you saw, if you remember when they drafted Matthews, they physically, like they rigged their lineup, like this massive overhaul of AHLers, just this wave after wave of AHLers just were being recalled. And just, I mean, it was the Toronto Marlies versus, you know, the Flyers and versus, you know, the Penguins. And um, it was, it was just almost embarrassing to see like how that they're doing it. So um, let's touch here. Let's go to Colorado. Three, two to one here on the season. They are actually one point ahead of the Blues with seven points and a plus three goal differential. I don't want to spend too much time here talking about Colorado, but are you surprised by the start of their season? Are you surprised here at all with their goal differential? I mean, does anything really jump out here to you about them? I mean, we've talked here very briefly about we're not really expecting. I mean, they're they're going to be good. There's no doubt about that. But we've also said that they need to outscore any bit of like their mistakes. And it doesn't really seem like that they are at times. And that's just from an outsider's point of view. Yeah, a bit of a mini cup hangover, I would say. Um, you know, I think one notable thing is how good Nachuskin has looked. Gets the big extension mm-hmm. in the offseason, comes back, looks really, really good. And I think that he's obviously going to be a huge key for them with the Landeskog injury now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that changes things a lot. But, no, I'm not surprised that they're – you know, they haven't been that good, but they've been uh, fine, and I think they'll continue to get yeah. better. Yeah, I mean, it's only been a couple of games, so not surprised here, like, by anything. So, um, again, not won't be able to put too much stock here into it. Uh, a a really interesting note that I saw not too long before we actually started hitting record was about the, Tyler Sagan. Now, Sagan, as of this recording, he's got five points in five games, said he was debating on retirement in January of 21. Now, I don't know, but this comes as truly surprising here to me, just based on all of the comments that I was hearing here about Sagan. So to put it into, into perspective, so he was recovering from the offseason surgery to repair his uh, his hip. He had substantial damage here to his hip at 30 years old. Um, that he sustained here during the 2020 postseason. He played through the ailment during their Stanley Cup run um, and like during the final. He was limited to just three games during the 2020-21 campaign, delaying his season debut until early May. Then Dallas misses the playoffs. Last season, Sagan posted 49 points in 81 games. Not bad for like a third liner. You know, that's still a good production. You're talking about, you know, half point production and output. You know, he's he's certainly going to be out producing this season. Stars are off to a 4 one record. They're certainly benefiting from having him here in the f- full health. I personally think that the league is better here for it. The team's better here for it. But does it come of any bit of surprise here to you? I mean, to me, this came this came as a complete shock about his potential retirement. Uh, I mean, a little bit, I think, you know, when you have as many injuries as he's had and obviously the significance of the damage to his injury, Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that hockey players probably think about in certain spots of their career, Uh, especially when you're just sitting there watching your team play without you. You're also listening to people talk about your contract. You're also listening to people criticize the fact that you are injury prone, which is a term that fans and, and others like to use a lot. A band aid Uh, boy. Yeah, I mean, that's just, 
it's not it's surprising it's not that surprising i think this also kind of shows sometimes it can really really affect a player's career if mm-hmm. they play through a significant injury like that in the playoffs um but the good thing for the stars is that it looks like uh jake ottinger's the real deal i mean he's been the best goaltender in the yeah. league to this point this season mm-hmm. uh, and they're getting more uh production from lines outside of just Pavelski and Robertson who are uh, on that line. So right. uh, they're m- much deeper. I think the stars going into the season, everybody viewed them or most people viewed them as a team that could be really good or bad. And so far they've been good. And I think it all hinged on Ottinger and he's off to a great start. So mm-hmm. it's not surprising to see them being uh, to be four and one And that one loss was an overtime to Toronto. So not bad. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. You ready to be able to get into some blues talk? I want to be able to save Winnipeg yeah. here um, when we take a look here at the week ahead. Yeah. So we'll, we'll skip Winnipeg here for now. Okay. So we had really quick thoughts here right now, just on the last game. You know, they go to a three and O record at this point in time. They end up beating Edmonton two to nothing. Shut out from Bennington. Absolutely love it. They still are. <laughs> no other team in the league has played only three games. It's going to come back and bite the Blues in the butt here later on, but they're they have been it's it's like a college season so far for them. Like they'll play a game, they'll wait a week, they'll play a game, they'll wait a week. It's it's almost embarrassing. So, looking over like here this past game, do you have any thoughts? I mean, anything? I mean, again, it's it's a two zero game, but it is also against the Edmonton Oilers. Any thoughts here regarding the game? Well, uh, I wasn't able to watch the game, but. I did, you know, I looked a lot at the the box score, the highlights, all that. Uh, just, you know, an efficient, efficient mm-hmm. game. Uh, mm-hmm. One penalty for each team. The Blues took advantage of their power play uh, scoring early. Um, and then you just kind of think the Blues, the, the versatility of the way that they can play, I think, uh, kind of was strong in this in this regard. Because you look at the game in Seattle, it was a little bit more loose. The Blues kind of let Seattle control that game, and the Blues really tightened up and had a clearly had a plan going in mm-hmm. to to try to shut Edmonton down. And you know, McDavid had his opportunities, but Bennington was there every time. And uh, I said Ottinger's been the best goaltender in the league to this point. I think Bennington's probably been second or third. So, yeah, uh, it's it's just as good of a start as you can expect from Bennington, and as good of a start as you can expect from a guy like Justin Falk as well. And and Tarasenko has been really really good too. Yeah, and I think honestly, Jordan Cairo, he's he had some really good looking points here, like in the game. He was robbed at least twice by Campbell. So I I really, really am expecting here quite a bit. I know there's some people who are saying, oh, can't believe that we already overpaid him, blah, blah, blah. You know, guys, first of all, it's three games. Give him a minute. I understand that he's only scored one goal. I understand, you know, that he's still playing a lot. I understand. I get it. I get it. But he has had, he's, he's looked really good and it's a lot better than what the box score here suggests. So give a guy here like Jordan Cairo, who we still need to remember is 24 years old. He's 24. Give him some time. So I, I, I don't want to be able to put too much, you know, like into this game again, you know, the penalty kill, like you said, um, they're, they're doing some great jobs at winning games here, different ways, 
you know, they're extremely versatile. They can be able to adjust their, their play, um, style of play is what I'm trying to really get out. Um, they can be able to get scoring chances and scoring opportunities here from multiple different areas, from multiple different players. Braden Shen here is looking great. Five points in three games, four assists here for that matter, but he's looking great. Um, I'm, I'm loving this team here so far. So um, let's let's take a look. And let's actually look at this team here from about a 5,000 foot overview. You know, now we've got three games in. Let's take a look at the Blues versus the league here, per se. You know, I love seeing this points percentage. They're the only team that's undefeated. Love that. Yeah. And they're the only team with maybe the worst schedule in the history of the sport um, in terms of how many games they've played. They do have four games this week. So they got That's that going for them. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Three at home, one on the road. So it should be interesting to see how, how they have, how they react to having to play more than two games in a week or one game in a week. Uh, I don't know. That'll certainly make it to where we're going to see Thomas Grice make his regular season debut. Mm hmm. This week, I would say no doubt. Uh, I, I do want to point out a little slight concern. Something a little bit surprising is just the Saad O'Reilly Kairu line hasn't really produced anything. Yeah. Uh, Saad has Saad and O'Reilly both have zero points in three games. They're both minus two. Kairu did score the goal in uh, the Seattle game. He's a minus three. I, I'm not putting too much stock into that, but the clear cut best lines have been the Shin and Thomas lines. So. Mm-hmm. I would assume that we'll see O'Reilly, Saad, and Cairo get going, and I, I would think if they don't, they're going to shuffle something there. I don't know what they would do. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to break up the other two big lines, but uh, I would think that Barubi's going to make a move there in some regard, and hopefully you see Pavel Buchnevich back out there on Monday. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. he missed two games this week or last week, Seattle and, and Edmonton. It kind of looked like he was going to play against Edmonton, but he didn't. Uh, yeah. So they're going to need him back. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, the the squad is weaker here without a guy here like Pavel Buchnevich. You know, just the consistency that he can be able to provide, just the versatility that he can be able to provide. I I absolutely love it. I still love the fact that, you know, even without him here right now, the Blues are still sitting in ninth in goals for here per game at 3.67. You know, they're a far cry away here from Pittsburgh at 5.2. But holy crap, you know, that's not sustainable here in the slightest. So um, the team here overall, I'm I'm really liking, you know, I, I was looking at all of the different stats here just across the board, you know, power play, 28.5%. Penalty kill still sitting here at 100%. Don't mind that. Now, granted, you know, they're four for four. So, you know, and again, their last power play came just within like the last couple of minutes here of the game. So it's a huge, huge penalty kill here for them. Um, you know, they're not really allowing to actually, you know, serve up here any major penalties here per game, but they're also not drawing very many penalties here per game. So it's been pretty much just even Stevens here for them, you know, which is great. And it's going to really give them a chance to to truly show what they can be able to do here at five on five. But from what I've seen, you know, they still need to just make sure that they're limiting any sort of like odd man rushes, which is something again they just need to, be able to tighten up here on. But I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing here so far. Um, again, Jordan Cairo, he just needs to be able to just tighten up here a little bit, and he's he's going to break open. I'm I'm not a, I'm not worried about that. He's going to break open. Any thoughts here 
Falk, Krug. Krug's only got, I mean, you say only. I mean, it's two points in three games. Falk's looking truly impressive. Yeah, I mean, they've been really solid. Uh, obviously, the Krug deflection against Seattle wasn't great. Uh, just one of those things that probably nine times out of ten he deflects that yeah. wide. Yeah. Uh, but this time it was, you know, pretty much like he was an offensive player for Seattle. That's not great. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I mean, they've been really solid. I think we've kind of gotten what we've expected out of Pareko, which is every time he touches the puck, it's probably going to be bad, but it could be good. Uh, most of the time it's bad. I think that's what we've gotten out of Pareko. Haven't noticed too much with Letty. I mean, he's been solid, couple of, of assists in three games. Uh, one thing that I do find concerning a little bit is just the lack of consistency in the faceoff circle. Uh, okay. just like you have Barbashev at 35%, you have Shin at 25%. They've both lost nine faceoffs, but on the flip side, Thomas has been pretty good at 56%. O'Reilly 51 feels a little bit low for him. Uh, it's it's a little bit low. He's going to get going. I mean, again, it's hope so. three yeah. games. Yeah, it's three games. I don't want to, be able to throw too much here into this. Three games in like how many days? Right, a lot of days. So right, and, and Achari's been Achari's been good, sixty point nine percent. So that's good. Uh, I also wonder if Buchnevich is out for the game on Monday against Winnipeg. Oh man, do they go eleven seven again, or do they, do they put Levo back in? Because Levo, you know, he was there. That's what I would say about his game mm-hmm. against Seattle. He was on the ice. Uh, didn't notice too much with him, but uh, and I think we could say the same thing about Rosen, who played a whopping five minutes against Edmonton. So I kind of wonder how they how they approach yeah. that. I I would rather have Levo in mm-hmm. there just to see what he can be able to do here again. I don't think you need to go with a an eleven seven. I I get it. You know they were successful here with it last season, but I'd rather see what a guy here like Levo can be able to bring here to the to the squad here again. Yeah, I I, I don't want to see it. Now, if you have a guy like Perunovic available, that's a different story. Yep. That's a different story. So anything else major you want to be able to, t- to chat about here with the Blues? I mean, again, it's you feel like that there should be so much more. Like we're ready to go. We're ready to be able to talk more. But there's only so much that we can be able to, to say without saying, well, there's there are only three games. Well, there, you know, and man, I'm so ready for consistency. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would like to see the Blues play a little bit better in front of Bennington. I think there's been a couple of situations where they were just leaving them out to dry, I think, in the Seattle mm-hmm. game especially. And I think, you know, there were times in the game against Edmonton where that was the case as well, but I'd like to see them play a little bit better in front of them. I'm not going to complain, though, because they're 3-0, and but um, mm-hmm. there definitely is cases where they need to be a little bit better in front of Bennington, like allowing – Seattle to just completely control that game for two periods was was really, really brutal. And then their second mm-hmm. period against Columbus was bad. But once again, it's early, and when you're barely playing at all, it's hard to be consistent. And I just don't understand how the NHL can, can mess this up that bad. I don't think any other professional sport would do something this insane in terms of like, well, I guess the NBA is the only comparable because of the schedule and the length, but it's just right. very bizarre that they uh, did that. Right. Yeah. I mean, like when you look at it, you know, I get it. San Jose and Nashville, they started off in a different country. LA, they're at seven games. Boston's at six. Columbus is at six. You know, there's a number of different teams here who are all at six, five games. Detroit and Chicago, they're at four. But 
come on. I, I don't get it now. I mean, again, we're going to, we're going to get our action and then we're going to start complaining, or at least there's going to be fans who are going to be saying, Oh, they're playing too often. They're playing too much. I think Detroit and Chicago and, are at five now because they both played today. So yeah, now we're a couple games behind everybody else. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, all right, let's, uh, we're going to not really go too long here with this. I think, you know, let's actually start. Let's, you know, they're going to be playing the jets here on Monday and then the Oilers are in town here after that. So let's take a look ahead here really fast at the Winnipeg jets. Let's see here. Two and three fifth in the central division. Not overly surprising here at this point. Anything sticking out here to you, Ethan? Well, uh, the Jets are kind of an opponent that I really never know how the Blues are going to play against them. It seems like they've had yeah. a lot of letdowns in Winnipeg or yeah. at home against Winnipeg. Um, you know, they're kind of a team that needs to play with a bit of a sense of urgency given the things that were said about them going into the season, given the expectations. A uh, bit of a slow start for them, I would say, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they rely a ton on Hellebuck to kind of do things for them. I think one thing that I've noticed with them is they have not scored goals. Like they have six different goal scorers this season. Uh, and that's uh Pionk is a defenseman who has three. I feel like if your leader in goals is a defenseman, that's probably not great. I would say other notable things is you tied have... tied for the fair. lead. Come on, tied, Ethan. Tied, tied Shifley. That is fair. That is fair. Well, Shifley is also a minus five. So what a brutal start for him. And, also, Kyle Connor, uh, only a goal in five games. So there's a lot of players that got to get going for them. You know, Blake mm-hmm. Wheeler, you would think that he'd be motivated with everything that's been said about him. He's been solid. He's got three points in He's five games. 36, though. That is I true. Mean, come on. That is true. I mean, uh, I would assume that Blake Wheeler probably doesn't want to be there. I think that's probably a safe assumption, uh, given, yeah. given what's gone down there. But if you also look at it, I mean, over the last – three seasons even i mean he he assists more than what he actually does score yeah so i'm not overly surprised you know only three assists i mean you look point. at his production 91 points 91 points 65 points 46 mm-hmm. and 50 games 60 and 65 so he's still been very productive it's just the big thing that you notice is the fact that he was a plus and the plus minus for six or seven straight seasons and then just completely mm-hmm. i know it's not a stat that's an end-all be-all stat but Minus 17, minus 15 back-to-back seasons, I think says a lot about the state of the Jets and where they've mm-hmm. been and where they're at. So I think that's right. a, a big factor here as well. And obviously, Riddick has pretty much given them absolutely nothing. He's uh, he's played one game and gave up four goals. I think he played the Toronto game. I'm not 100% sure, though. Uh, maybe he didn't, though, because, yeah, I don't know. I'm just guessing, obviously, because they gave up four goals to Toronto. I figured that was the game that he played, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, and, yeah, Hellebuck is the guy that they rely on a ton, and I don't know if that's going to – he played against uh, Vegas, Riddick did. But, yeah, right. I mean, the Blues, very hit or miss when they play the Jets, it, it feels like, in the last few years. Right. Yeah, and two different guys who, you know, you're definitely going to want to be able to pay attention here, too. I mean, absolutely pay attention to Pionk. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Colt Perfetti. If they stick around, if now Perfetti's got several years here before, you know, he can truly decide, you know, what he wants to be able to do unless he just flat out says, I'm not playing here, and he just demands a trade. Pierre-Luc Dubois has two goals, two assists for four points in five games. Perfetti... Five games, four points, one goal, three assists. Now, Perfetti's only played one game against the Blues here in his very, very young career. 
he didn't do much. I mean, he only played 12 minutes. So just keep an eye out here for Cole Perfetti. Pierre-Luc Dubois, on the other hand, he's played several games here. So 10 points, I'm sorry, 10 games, four goals, seven points here against the Blues in his uh, in his career. He's a guy who I would definitely still keep an eye out here for because the they're not going to have much. They're not going to have much here to really be able to like put up against St. Louis. Now, again, like you said, it's a hit and miss time here every single time they play, they play the Jets. You think that they're going to line up and say the Blues should easily be able to just wipe the floor with Winnipeg here right now, and then they could put up 39 shots against Hellebuck, and somehow he stops all 39. I don't get it. But then there's other times, you know, we'll just blow them out of the water. So who knows what we're going to end up truly seeing here. If you had to guess, I'm going to put you here on the spot. If you had to guess, do the Blues win tomorrow night? Do they stretch their win streak here to four games? Or do they officially go three and one? Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say the Blues win. I'm going to say they win five to two empty netter after it's four to two. I'm going to say Kyle Connor scores two goals against them because he's somebody mm. who kills them. 21 points in 16 games, eight yeah. goals. That's a goal every two games against the Blues. He's been as good against the Blues as he's been against other opponents where he has those mm-hmm. numbers. Whether it's uh, Montreal, he has over a point per game. Uh, Vancouver, he has over a point per game. So. He's he's dominated the Blues. He's pretty much dominated most teams, though. You look at just how good of a of a player he's been, and then you look at his start to the season, a little slow. Uh, he hasn't been that great uh, yet. I think he'll be fine, but that's a player that the Blues are going to need to know where he's at at all times. Oh, yeah. Cr- honestly, he's criminally underrated in the NHL. Yep. Yep. Criminally underrated. So, um yeah, I, I absolutely I agree. If I had to be able to guess, I would say probably a 4-2, to 5-2 to two victory here up against Winnipeg. Then they get the Oilers again. Are you confident? Are you not? What are you thinking here? I think if they beat Winnipeg, this is probably the game where they lose. Uh, Mm. It's kind of hard to keep McDavid and Drysaddle down multiple games, especially when those games are within four days of each other. Yeah. I think the Oilers are going to be a little bit better prepared. I think the Blues are going to be you know, try to be as shut down as they possibly can. But I think the big question here, and I talked about this a little bit with Marcus on the last episode on Thursday, mm-hmm. or I guess it was uploaded Friday, so I'll say Friday, but uh, do they go Grice against Nashville on Thursday? Because that'd be my assumption with what they would do. But they could pull the the weird wild card here and go with Grice on Wednesday against the, the Oilers on the front end of the back-to-back. But I I would not. I wouldn't that. I wouldn't do it. I, I don't would think not that they'll do it. Test it. There could be a I, chance that they do. I don't see how you reasonably I don't see how you can justify that. I just don't. You know, I I get it that Nashville is they're, they're going to be a tough deponent a deponent opponent <laughs> here regardless of what's happening here, you know, within their squad, within, you know, anything and everything that's going on here with Nashville, you know, they're, they're two and four here right now. And then you look at Edmonton, you know, they're two and three, not much better, not much worse, but boy, I would much rather throw out Bennington up against Dreisaitl and McDavid than Grice at this point. And I feel a lot more comfortable throwing Grice out there up against, 
Johansson and Tenor Janot and um, Ryan Johansson and, and you know all the rest of the the Nashville Predator squad, I I would feel much more comfortable and much more confident. And if I I would be shocked if Barube goes that route. I, I, I don't see too. how you don't. I also think it's kind of like a classic Baruby move that he, I remember multiple games when Jake Allen was the backup where he was starting in Edmonton. I I think that happened at least twice, maybe three times mm-hmm. where Allen would start and McDavid would score an easy goal or two against him. That yeah. definitely happened in one game. I don't remember if it was multiple games, but yeah, I don't think that you can justify. I think the only way you can justify Grice against Edmonton is if the blues are four and oh, and you want to rest Bennington for the rest of the week. I Doubt that though. Like Bennington's yeah. playing three games out of four this week, regardless. But I definitely think you have to make the Thursday second half of the back to back the Grice game. Uh, I don't care if they're a divisional opponent either. I just think that you can't. If you Edmonton, regardless of how they've started, they're probably going to be one of the best teams in the West. Right. So you you need to throw your best at them, and that's Bennington because he got a shutout against them. So. Yeah, right. I, I highly doubt Ruby does that as well. Yeah, yeah. I I I think that this team absolutely could be able to start the season here five and zero, have no problem here with it, potentially even six and zero. No problem. But it just depends on, you know, how we end up getting um production here from the goaltending. And we've said here before that this season truly is going to hinge on what the goaltending can and cannot do. And hopefully they are not a team that needs to outscore their mistakes. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to be able to see how this season is going to end up going along. I'm very interested to see how this week is going to go. Now that you know, again, as we mentioned, you're going to see a lot more um, games being played. You're going to see an uptick here with the travel. You're going to see an uptick in um, just overall demand here from the squad. So I'm very intrigued to see how it's going to keep going and. Um, Ethan and I are definitely going to keep pushing and pushing here for um, Twitter responses. We're going to keep pushing here again on written articles. We're going to be able to just cover here this team here the best is to our ability, along with the rest of the writers here over at the Hockey Writers. So if you haven't already, subscribe to all the content, subscribe, you know, just be able to keep up. And, uh, you know, I'll just keep shamelessly plugging all the rest of our work and, you know, the rest of our team. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, A lot of stuff going on over there. Uh, I guess since we didn't cover this and this wasn't out the last time we did a podcast, I guess you should just let the people know your thoughts about the reverse retro 2.0. Man, I, I truly enjoy it. I I really do. You know, I know a lot of fans really didn't care for the yellow. Um, I'm indifferent here about it. I, I'm interested to see what it looks like with the full, full uniform. That's going to be the biggest thing here for me. But this was the jersey that that never was. And I'm so, so happy that you actually get to see it now. You know, when the photo here was released, I believe it was 2016 was when it was officially surfaced. You know, it wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough ago where, you know, again, it, it just seems like it was quite a while. But it's it's finally being released and i just i love the nostalgia i love the ability that it's just it's truly going to come out and again it's the the fact that it's the jersey that never was so i i give it full grades um 
the color again could have been a little bit better in my opinion it, it could have just been like a white and i would have been so happy here with it but you know i don't mind the yellow i think it looks good here regardless so full marks yeah they already did the red uh in the first reverse oh, retro God, so you might as well red. you might as well do the yellow and i wish i wouldn't have, have bought a red jersey i it was a big mistake and you, you know. bought a red jersey yeah, I just you bought thought, one of the clowns. You know, I I got the '90s blue vintage one, then I got the red one, uh, and it's a Pareko. The red one's a Pareko, so that's even worse. I, I'm not Ethan. saying Pareko's bad, but it was a bad move. Uh, Ethan, I want to get one uh, of these though. I think these are going to look pretty cool on the ice. I have to say, I really do. Um, yeah. and they'll wear them November 17th against the Capitals, November 21st yep. against the ducks december 8th 11th and 29th against the jets avs and blackhawks so they'll get to destroy the blackhawks with yellow jerseys on that'll be fun and then uh, january 10th and 24th against the flames and the buffalo sabers who might be the best team in the league i mean geez they're playing really well yeah tage thompson man old tage thompson that's all that they needed they just needed tage thompson yeah i mean i was talking to a fellow blues fan yesterday and i said uh it's really good that the Blues won a cup with O'Reilly, and he's been as good for them as he has because Tage Thompson has become a stud. And uh, yeah. it's always, you know, fun to see that. It makes it feel – I feel a little bit – I feel better than I would have for Tage Thompson had the Blues not had the success they had with O'Reilly. So that's a yeah. good thing. Um, but, I mean, just the the overall description of this jersey on the Blues website, the newest look in the franchise's jersey closet is a bold – gold design drawing bold gold as on a blues early call it i like that on a blues early prototype that was never worn in game so Mm -hmm. there's some bad reverse retros though i will say there's some really bad ones uh i'm looking at detroit and chicago when i say that just because i think they're they think that since they're original six teams they can just get away with throwing stripes on a jersey and and then this name of their city so that's pretty bad. Toronto, but. Toronto's was like just the same rinse and repeat. Now, I mean, yeah. I get it. That there's not much the that shoulders. they can do. Yeah, cool, cool, stupid. And, and Leafs fans love it, from what I read. So that's kind of interesting that they. Yeah, would... it's the same thing. Yeah, what does it matter? It. It's lazy, and and it's kind of interesting to see the league go to like a there's like a baby blue thing going on for multiple teams with Montreal mm-hmm. and Florida. I'm, I because think the Blues could have pulled that off because the Blues truly got. You know, the light blue now, I mean, okay, I can say that, but then, you know, you've got several years before them, you had the Penguins do their baby blues. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's, there's that whole push here for it. Did you see that Vegas is actually glows in the dark? I did. And I think Vegas has had some major mistakes with some things that they've done in terms of branding. Like those Chrome helmets look so stupid, Yeah, but I think that Jersey looks really cool. I have to say. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it's very Vegas. I would say that. I think that's like Vegas has done a lot of interesting things and things that people hate in in their time in the league, but they've also done some things that I think are really good for the league. And that's like the mm-hmm. way that their games are, the whole theater of it, everything that they do there. I think is great. And some of their jerseys are really cool, but they've also done some you know bizarre things when it comes to not only managing their team but also their jerseys and uh, helmets, weird yeah. combinations. Yeah. So I don't know. Yep. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing plenty of these, uh, these reverse retro, I guess, 2.0s here out on the ice. I really, I get why, I get why the ducks needed to do the color scheme that they did. I love the fact that they're going back to the old Anaheim mighty ducks look, boy, 
I really wish they did the color scheme for it. That's all that I want. I just want them to come back out and just say ducks fly together. That's all that I want. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. Well, I know we have yet to really discuss anything here, like about Springfield, about the prospects here, just as of yet, similar to like what we've been doing for the blues. We've been waiting for several different games to start hitting. And I think there's been enough games here for a bunch of the prospects and finally like for here for the AHL that I think Thursday we're going to be recording and we will touch, I think, a lot on Blues prospects here for that episode. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a good episode because you're going to have a couple games to talk about. Uh, They'll also be playing that night against Nashville. So you have that. Mm -hmm. And and obviously talking about some of the prospects will be important as well. And I think maybe looking into players that you could see possibly uh, being called up eventually. Because I think the Blues are going to have to do that because injuries inevitably, inevitably, Jesus, that was a hard word for me right now. Those (laughs) pop up. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's some interesting things that have gone down in Springfield, a.k.a. just a a little teaser here, the Samarukov overtime winner for Springfield the other day. Um, And just kind of, I think, another prospect that will be interesting to talk about and the projecting of what he could be is Joel Hofer, kind of evaluating mm-hmm. how he plays this season. It's going to be very important for how the Blues determine their goaltending moving forward. But, yeah, it'll be good to talk about the prospects in the next one. Yeah, and I think we're going to try and, and do that here a little more frequently. I mean, again, now that they've got officially some games here under belt. So, all right, any last little thoughts here before we uh, put a bow on it? No, I think uh, I think we did what we could do here, given given what the NHL is throwing at us with this schedule. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I would just say be sure to check out all the stuff at thehockeywriters.com. I'll have Blues Weekly coming out uh, sometime after this episode drops, I'm sure. Uh, for sure, I, there's a lot to discuss with that. I'll give some thoughts. And also, there is a Reverse Retro 2.0 Roundtable article on thehockeywriter.com. We both contributed uh, to that. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out, and then you can follow – uh, our podcast Twitter account at TBN Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at at M underscore Meyer three. And we will see you later on this week for episode number thirty three. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.